Welcome to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 30. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. In this episode, an interview with Dan Menard of Macadamian. I first became aware of Dan when I read a blog post entitled How to Work with Someone 12 Hours Away. Let me just read you the first paragraph of that blog post. It goes like this. The Macadamian office spans two continents, four countries, and four time zones. In fact, two of our offices are 12 hours apart. Our teams are made up of people from different offices, so as a developer in Ottawa, my day-to-day activities usually involve work with colleagues in Romania, Armenia, and California. Now, as you might imagine, that was an intro that intrigued me. So I got in touch with Dan, and we had a great conversation. Uh, We talked about things like the importance of taking the time to build personal relationships as well as business relationships, the advantages of having a team that's split across multiple time zones, uh, the practice of distributed code review, and a whole lot more. Now, before I get into that interview, I do have a couple of announcements. First of all, if you're a regular listener, uh, you may have noticed that there hasn't been a new episode for like two months now. And the truth is, between work and family and travel for conferences, I simply haven't had the time to do the podcast. And I realized something recently about all the podcasts that I listen to that keep churning out episode after episode. They all have sponsors. And I realize that if I want to keep doing this on a regular schedule, I really need to get some sponsorship, at least so I can pay somebody to do the editing for me. So I'm putting a call out. If you have a product or service that you think would be of interest to disperse teams and remote workers, and you'd like to support this podcast, please get in touch. You can email me at avdi at wideteams.com. My second announcement is that I've put together a short pamphlet that goes over 21 essential tools and practices for effective dispersed teams. These are all drawn from my own personal experience as well as my interviews with dozens of remote workers. If you'd like a copy of it, go to wideteams.com, look on the right-hand sidebar. There's a link there. Click on it, enter your email, and you'll receive a free copy of the wideteams.com Dispersed Team Kickstart Guide. And I promise that I will not sell your email address to spammers. Okay, that's it for announcements. And now, without further ado, here's the interview with Dan Menard. Hey, this is Avdi Grimm with WideTeams.com, and I am talking today with Dan Menard uh, of Macadamian. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Great. I'm glad to be here. So if you would, if you would to just get us started, um, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, uh, where you're located, and, uh, and what you're working on. Sure. Uh, so I work at a company called Macadamian Technologies. We're based out of Ottawa, Canada, and we actually have an office in Romania and another one in Armenia. Uh, What we do is product creation, I think, is the official marketing word for it. Uh, So we help other companies bring their products to life. Uh, We do software development, and we'll do user research and um, user experience and visual design and uh, quality assurance, pretty much any step of the software creation process. Mm, So somebody comes to you with an idea, and you make it happen. Exactly. 
Very cool. Um, now, um, that's a, that's a pretty wide, um, it's a pretty wide distribution of team and you've got some, you've got some locations in there, uh, that I don't often hear, uh, when I talk to people that, that are, that have, uh, distributed software teams. Can you talk a little bit about the history there? Sure. Um, there isn't really too much to tell. One of the reasons we started offices in, um, overseas was to get clients in different time zones. Uh, because we found it was especially hard working with European clients because they're not used to working uh, with time zones back then anyway. So uh, we opened an office in, I think, Armenia was first and Romania was second. Uh, but they were pretty close together. And uh, we opened those offices primarily so that we would have a better time zone contact with clients in Europe. Mm-hmm. Has that has that paid off for you? I mean, um, is it opening doors? Yeah, it's it's actually quite nice. Um, the project I'm on right now, we're working heavily with someone in Switzerland, uh, so it is nice that there's a bit they're a bit closer on time zones than we are. Did you have did you have contacts in Eastern Europe? Um, I mean, how did you get linked up with the with your teams over there? Um, I'm actually not too sure. Okay. Uh, I joined the company a little bit after that all kind of came about. Gotcha. So I'm not entirely sure the exact specifics of it, um, but I would imagine I know our. My our CEO is a, a very sociable kind of guy, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that he had some contacts over there when he started it up. Oh, fair enough. Um, so, I um, I became aware of what you're doing um, as a result of this article uh, that you wrote on the Macadamian blog, "How to Work with Someone 12 Hours Away," uh, and it uh, it hits on a lot of interesting points about uh, working as part of a distributed team. And, and I wanted to just kind of go over some of those um, and get you to talk about uh, some of those points. You, you talk about first um, about having some some schedule flexibility. You say um, sometimes you need to, to wake up an hour earlier or uh, or work from home in the evening. Do you do, do you uh, does the the company um, have a fair amount of schedule flexibility? Yes, uh, we definitely have flexible hours. I think we have a, a set of core hours where you're supposed to be available. Um, pretty consistently. So between, I think it's like something like 10 and 3.30. Uh, but other than that, as long as you fit about eight hours into your day, about five days a week, then uh, it's generally quite flexible. Mm-hmm. And that's that's 10 and 3.30, uh, which time zone? Or is that just local time? Uh, whatever your local time is. Oh, okay. Even then, okay. it's actually quite flexible. I know someone in our on the project I'm on right now who is in Romania, uh, he actually works a really late adjusted schedule for his time zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so he works closer to to a nine to five in our time zone than uh, than he does in his time zone. Oh, okay. Is is he a, a night owl? Or yeah, is... a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we all kind of are in software, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be the case. Um, and actually, do you have? Uh, is everybody working uh, from home, or do you have offices? Oh yes, we have offices. Um, okay. You can work from home as well. Sometimes mm-hmm. we'll do that uh, if the weather's really bad, we don't feel like going in. Or uh-huh. it's nice if you have a say like a doctor's appointment in the morning, and you can just work from home until the afternoon, and then go into the office later. Right, right. Uh, now you, you talk about the uh, the importance of relationships, um, and and particularly you talked about um, going beyond uh, having conversations with people, but going beyond just just including them in the daily scrum. Can you can you expand on that a little? Sure. Um, basically, it doesn't work very well if it's just business. Uh, you have to have a bit of a personal connection as well for the team to really work. That way you sort of avoid the, the us versus them kind of mentality where it doesn't really feel as much like they're um, in the same office as you when mm-hmm. that happens. Um, so what you try to do, or a good way to do it, is just to have 
little side conversations here and there throughout the day just to kind of keep up to date on um, what everyone's doing in their life and uh, if someone's moving or if someone just had a kid or something. It's it's good to keep up on those things mm. and just kind of chat about them every now and then so that it's not just business. How do you remember to do that? Um, it's a good question, actually. I haven't really thought about that much. <laughs> I mean, is that something that just sort of comes naturally to you? Is it something you find the whole team does um, or is somebody kind of coordinating that? We sort of encourage it a little based on how we use um, the different tools that we use for communication. So the big one is Skype. Every project we use has a, a group chat for Skype with everyone in the project in that chat group. Mm-hmm. So that way, it's a good place to have little conversations uh, about kind of project-related things, but not always project-related things. Uh, so if someone is has some big news, um, like, oh, I'm moving in four weeks, then that's the kind of thing that someone will bring up there, and then everyone can kind of talk about it briefly for a little while. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a nice way to, to stay up to date on what everyone is doing um, outside of work. You say you also um, you try to meet up in person. How often um, do you do that? It varies based on the kind of projects that that person is doing. Uh, usually, it's quite rare for someone in my position to go overseas uh, to spend some time at the office, uh, mm-hmm. but it does happen every now and then. But management especially tries to make a presence um, at the different offices quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, every few months, we'll have someone go either from an overseas office to here or we'll send someone from our office over to uh, one of the, the European offices. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, now, uh, the, one, the thing that, that really caught my eye um, about this article, uh, you see a lot in, in, in talking about dispersed teams, you see a lot of discussion of the the issues and the challenges involved in having a team that's, that's widely sp- um, split across time zones. You actually listed some advantages of having a team that's that's broken across time zones. Can you talk a little bit about why? Sure. The big one is the the concept of a critical path. Um, this is something you have in software where if you have a bunch of features that have to be done in sequence, uh, so they can't be done in parallel at all, um, then you know your project will take at least as long as those tasks will take. So if you have, say, three tasks that each take one week that have to be done in sequence, uh, then generally you know that your project will take at least three weeks. What you can do with the time zones is kind of play with that a little bit, because if we were working two completely separate shifts, and I have a kind of like an eight-hour shift here, and then there's another team doing an eight-hour shift in Armenia or Romania, then we can actually fit closer to 16 hours in a day instead of eight. Uh, so we can get projects like that done in about half the time mm-hmm. um, if we play the time zones to our advantage, which we don't always. <laughs> <laughs> Have you come up with any tricks, any any guidelines for for not getting blocked on someone who's who's shifted eight hours away from you? That's always the hardest part, and that's why you don't quite get. That's why you don't want to do two completely separate shifts. Uh, you want to mm-hmm. have that overlap for sure, just to sync up for the whole team. Especially if you're doing a scrum, then you want that time every day to have a quick call with everyone, just to keep everyone in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do need to work out how much overlap you actually need for your particular project. Especially near the start and near the end of a project, it's good to have more overlap because that's when there's more confusion and more things that need to be sorted out um, mm-hmm. that are more easy to sort out with a voice call. Right, right. But towards the middle when everyone's kind of doing their work, you can get away with, with not too much overlap in schedules. Mm-hmm. But again, it varies per team, per project. So it, gotcha. it's, it's up to the team to work that out themselves. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. 
Now you mentioned um, that you're you're using uh, Skype uh, pretty uh, pretty much all the time. Are there yes, any other tools <laughs> that? Yeah, uh, and we are talking on Skype now. Um, are there any other to- tools that uh, that help you make this happen? Yeah, we go through quite a few. Um, we have a wiki that we use called Confluence um, by a company called Atlassian, which we find is uh, really useful for anything that has to be persistent. So any deliverables we send to the client or anything we want to archive or um, store for reference for the entire team, usually we'll put that on a wiki instead just because we need somewhere permanent that the team can go to find these sort of documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also use email, of course, really heavily. Um, all our We do a lot of code review. Um, we're sort of... It's a practice we picked up from a few open source projects we worked in. We worked on a little while ago, um, so we, we're very heavy on code review, and we do most of that via email. Sometimes we'll use news groups as well, um, which I prefer a little more because the threading is a bit better. So you you set up an internal um, news group server, or what? Yep, uh, we have an internal we have an internal mailing list for each project, and okay. if we choose to, we'll also have an internal news group. Um, gotcha. Just for code review, I find the threading is a little nicer there, but it mm. is a little more difficult to work with in general. Mm. Um, it's kind of nice to have the patches delivered straight to your inbox, and then you just kind of apply them and go from there. Mm-hmm. Let's see. In the, the article, you mentioned that you're using Yammer as well. Or are you still using that? Right. Yammer was kind of an experiment. We're still sort of using it on and off, but mm-hmm. we never quite got to use it. We never quite found a use case for it for project level stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is strange because it seems like that would really be something that works out. You can share screenshots really easily, and you would think that that would be a great way to just say, "Oh, here, check out this new UI we just updated," or "Oh, here's how the here's a screenshot of the the Photoshop skins you just gave me actually running in the application." Uh, what do you think? But mm-hmm. mostly, what we're using it for now is just a sort of like a water cooler discussion forum. Um, so it's just a place for people to share cool links of stuff they found. Mm-hmm. Or um, just to chat about the newest tech news. So when uh, Microsoft bought out, or when Microsoft partnered up with Nokia, uh, we had a nice big discussion on Yammer about that for a while. <laughs> do, do, do you find that since you're you're already in a um, a Skype chat room all the time, is there's kind of some overlap there? Oh yeah, there's a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, for sure on the project, if we find some technology that we're thinking of using, uh, like a new framework that we think might help speed up what we're doing, um, then we'll post a link to it in Skype and we'll discuss it there to kind of see how fitting it would be. Right. Um, one of the other things you mentioned in the article was was using a smart board uh, for for whiteboards. Uh, first of all, what is that? A smart board? It completely blew my mind the first time I saw it. Uh, so basically, it's a whiteboard with a projector hooked up to it, and the projector sort of works as a touchscreen. So it, it tracks where you are and where you're touching on the board, and you get sort of a touch interface. Uh, where anything you touch is interpreted as kind of a mouse click on the the computer running behind it. Hmm. So it lets you do some really interesting things. Um, the the coolest thing I've ever seen on it was when we were having a, a kind of a whiteboarding session with the whole team, but this team obviously involved people in Romania uh, as well as in Ottawa. So what our project manager did was she was drawing on the the smart board with a marker. And that was going straight into some whiteboard application she had running on the computer, which was publishing straight to um, kind of a WebEx session that was sharing the screen of that to everyone um, on the project. So the people in in Romania could see what she was drawing on the screen on their own screen as well. And it was was a really neat experience just that she could actually be drawing with a physical marker on a whiteboard and someone is seeing it on their screen 
you know, however many thousands of miles away that is. Hmm. That is that's pretty cool. So so that's that's something that uh, that you're you're using um, on an ongoing basis. Yep. Uh, generally, for any kind of a big meeting where we have to discuss an architecture change or something like that, um, anything that has to be drawn out that would be easier to express um, through a drawing, we'll always use a, a smart board for something like that. Mm-hmm. And that way, you get a nice archive of it too. You can just kind of save the screenshot of it, and that can go on the wiki so people can reference it later. Hmm. That's very cool. So um, uh, you mentioned that you that that you had worked on some open source projects. I'm, I'm curious curious as a developer, uh, which projects were they? The big one was Wine. Um, one of the very early projects we had at Macadamia uh, was some work to make some software from Corel work better in Wine. Um, hmm. So we actually made a few commits to the Wine source uh, repository, uh, which was a really interesting process because that's where we picked up the code review habits that we have now um, that we enjoy so much. Hmm. That's actually that's worth talking about a little bit. I, I think um, just um, what do you like about code review and how do you conduct your code reviews? Is that something that's that you conduct in any kind of distributed way or is it just a local team thing? Uh, oh no, it's definitely distributed. The whole team participates in code review. Um, so what we do is we have a process called patch a day, which is where every day, pretty much, you're supposed to post a patch for whatever changes you've made, uh, and then that gets reviewed and then committed to source. Mm-hmm. So all code in the project is always reviewed. Um, and we're not shy about rejecting patches if we see something we don't like in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's very common that a patch will, will have a bit of discussion and a few different replies to it before it actually goes through. Um, and the idea there is that it's really hard to do code review in large batches, but if you do it in small, one-day-sized chunks, uh, then it's actually very easy. And you get a lot of nice benefits out of doing it because you develop good patterns and you can catch bugs earlier on where they're cheaper to fix. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a great way to train new team members as well, um, because then <clears throat> they get to see sort of a different part of the the application, and kind of they gain a lot of experience from reading other people's code, especially mm-hmm. if it's very good code. So, who does the reviewing? Does that rotate, or or how does that work? Uh, it's pretty much anyone. When you mm-hmm. upload one of your your patches, you just assign it to someone else, and that person will review it. Okay, and it becomes their responsibility. And if there's a bug that slips through the code review, then they can be in charge of fixing it as well. Mm, okay. So it, there is a bit of responsibility for it as well. You have to actually pay attention to what you're reviewing. <laughs> gotcha. Um, now, um, I'm curious about, about you personally. Is this um, have, have you had experience with uh, distributed working with distributed teams in the past, or is this your first experience with it? This was my first experience with distributed teams. Um, we'll do local teams here as well. Sometimes it just works out better for staffing to have only a few local people on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, but the distributed teams uh, is something that I hadn't really experienced until I, I started at Macadamia. Mm-hmm. And how's, how's your adjustment been to that? Um, it's interesting. At, at first, it was a bit difficult. It does take a bit of uh, ramp up to get used to it mm-hmm. because you only see the bad things at first. You know, You see all the stuff like, oh, well, we don't have time to talk about this task or... I'm not sure what to do for the next five hours because the developer I'm working with is still asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, so you, you generally you see the bad things first, but once you get used to it, it's actually really nice. Mm-hmm. I think the moment that I got sold on it was this one project I was on that had a very heavy development cycle. So there was a lot of patches going through and a, a lot of quality assurance um, logging new bugs coming back to us. And what was really great about it was that our quality assurance was in, I think it was actually a contractor in India, uh, which is a really big time shift from Ottawa. It's about at least nine or ten hours. <laughs> I'm not so great with my time zones. Mm-hmm. 
but it was really nice because every time one of us in Ottawa would fix a bug and then we would kind of mark it as fixed in our bug tracking software. And then overnight while we're asleep, then the India QA guy would start up and he would review all of our, our bugs that we logged and he'll reopen mm-hmm. the ones that are still broken or close the ones that are fixed. And then we come in in the morning and uh, all of our QA has been sorted out hmm. uh, magically while we weren't there. <laughs> and that's when I realized that there's, there's a lot of power to having separate time zones and you can actually benefit quite a bit from it. So you're not you're not sending something off to QA and then sort of twiddling your thumbs for for an hour while they review it. Yeah, exactly. Plus, sometimes they like to have a, a bit of a code freeze to just review um, all the bugs that have been fixed since the last deliverable, especially if we're about to send a major release to a client. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it works out better that way too, because instead of closing down source for two or three days, uh, we can usually get away with about half that because mm. there's a bit of a time shift, so they gain kind of an extra day there. Mm-hmm. So. Um... Do you think this is the wave of the future, or are more and more companies going to be going in this direction? Um, I think it's definitely something that people are going to start looking at more seriously. Uh, we're starting to get a very nice global pool of talent, so mm-hmm. pretty much every country right now is is doing a lot of great work for, for software development. And uh, you can't just get your best talent in California anymore. It comes from kind of anywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely profitable if you can benefit from the distributed nature of the internet and uh, the the technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you had one piece of advice to give to a a group that's considering uh, going distributed, what would it be? Um, you have to sort of do whatever works for your team. You can't just blindly follow um, the same list of technologies or tools that everyone else is using. You have to sort of start from the ground up and decide what you need and kind of. Pick tools that will fill that gap. Even when we're uh, when we do our different projects, then s- different teams will use a different set of tools um, if they find something that they like better. So it's it's good that you have to sort of it's always a customized tool set that you're going to end up using. So it takes a little bit of time to figure out what you want to use um, for which purposes, but you have to do that part yourself. You can't just follow a, a formula for that one. Mm-hmm. All right, well, before I let you go, um, uh, where can we find out more about uh, Macadamian and about you uh, online? Sure, um, a couple of places. So for Macadamian, uh, we have macadamian.com, and we have a blog on there, which is at macadamian.com slash blog. And for me personally, uh, I have a blog at danmenard.com. Dan, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Wide Teams podcast. Please visit us on the web at wideteams.com to leave feedback and enjoy more articles, screencasts, and conversations about dispersed teams. The Wide Teams podcast is a service of ShipRise LLC and is released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next time, this is Avdi Grimm signing off. Wild, 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 wild,